everybody, this is David, a.k.a. Macintosh. And I'm Diana, a.k.a. Mod, and welcome to another episode of Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. Uh, today, we're continuing David's punishment for his faux pas last year. Uh, he stopped paying attention during Scream 1, so he had to rewatch that. Boy, did I. And now he's watching Scream 2. Two years after the first series of murders, a new psychopath dons the ghost face costume, and a new string of killings begins. So, we need to talk to some people about these ghost face killers. We do. So, who are our guests today, David? Our guests are Kalena and Sean from the TV Dinner Podcast. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. <laughs> I already have questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, see so, what did you fall asleep uh, during scream or something oh well you might have to go back and listen to our original scream episode mm-hmm. which is not that i fell asleep but i mentally checked out from the movie and admitted to such on the podcast mm. yeah he just stopped paying attention and decided the movie sucked i decided it was terrible <laughs> and did not like any of the characters i see some of you may have listened to our scream redux in which I had to ask the question, what the fuck was I smoking? Because (laughs) Scream is a fucking great movie. Agreed. So let's talk about you guys. What is your connection with the entire Scream franchise? Right. So I've seen um, maybe not all of the Scream movies, but I'm pretty sure all of the Scream movies. And we both have seen all of the Scream TV show, but Sean hasn't seen any of the movies up until now. Okay. I don't remember how it started, but at some point I went over to Kalina's apartment and I think she might have just been like starting season two or she'd been talking to me about it. So I watched season two and then I watched season one. (laughs) You watched it like a heathen, basically, but it was cool. I don't mind. (laughs) I have not seen three or four yet. I've only watched one and two. And what did you see, though? Uh, I, I, I was too young to see two in the theater. And definitely too young to see Scream in the theater. Well, yeah. That was um, 1995. I, I, th- I think I was 12. Something like that. Uh, but this one, I remember having been so in love with the first one, and I know what you did last summer, that I was just gunning for this to show up at Blockbuster. It's like, come on, it has to. I had the poster in my room. For Scream 2? <laughs> I don't remember how I got it, but I had it, and it was one of the big ones from the movie theater. All right, so uh, what are our general thoughts about Scream 2? It was a weird movie, to be honest. <laughs> I-, I think it really was kind of reliant on you having seen the first one. Agreed. Oh, no. It definitely is. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, now, I will say this. As a standalone movie horror premise, it's fine on its own. The jokes do not make a whole hell of a lot of sense unless you know these characters from the first movie. That's really the issue. That probably would have helped me out because I I didn't find a lot of humor in it when I was watching through it. Yeah, you only get it from Randy because Randy explains what's happening through his rules. It's true. Which is good. That's useful. I love the rules. It's a good character archetype and I'm glad that (laughs) you guys have more waiting in store. He was one of my favorite from Scream 1. I think Jamie Kennedy just knows who his character is and he he just plays that up as much as humanly possible. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to die. I, I went through the movie like right up until the moment he died thinking, oh, well, he's probably going to survive. That is the the big, first of all, premise of Scream. And what is really fun about it is 
the entire joy is watching them take horror movie tropes and fucking around with them the entire time. Because that is the point. Is, are they really fucking around with them or are they just calling them out that this is a trope? In this movie, they really did subvert it. Especially with charismatic, funny lead guy who probably would be, you know, the sa- the savior of the girl in the end mm-hmm. in a normal movie gets killed halfway through suddenly. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's subverting a trope right there. I don't know, because Last Girl is pretty potent as a trope, I'm aware. Oh, it totally is. Like, Last Girl is the quintessential horror movie trope. What One, like, subverted thing, I think, was uh, Joel, the cameraman, mm-hmm. who was like, I read your book, and your last cameraman got gutted, and I'm not going to be that man. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Well, okay, funny, funny fact. That actor, Dwayne Martin, he decided, he's, in the script, he just got killed. So it was going to be this running gag that Gail's cameraman just got killed. And Dwayne was like, um, no. (laughs) If I was this dude, I would quit. (laughs) If someone gets killed in my van, I quit. Wes Craven thought that was funny. He's like, all right, let's do it. Let's make it happen. So, so that was all him. Right. And in a horror movie, you kind of accept, expect everyone to be dumb and just go along with it. And he's like, no, uh-uh. <laughs> no. But no, the the most important thing for me to do is leave. <laughs> that, yeah. is, that is kind of the brilliance is everybody is, Dewey may be accepted, actually kind of smart. Mm-hmm. They're not dumb about this. And they've lived through an actual psycho killer. Mm-hmm. So they know what they're looking for. And yet they still get freaked out and they're mm-hmm. still not expecting what's coming. Maybe that's what's going on more than anything is that they've written into the script that all of these characters know exactly what they're facing. And yet they're still getting freaked out by it. That's just like the audience. Right. I was actually going to mention. Uh, so there's the part where the sorority girls on the phone with Greenface and like she turns around and you see him creep into the house behind her and Sean was like, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so frustrating when they do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's super extra creepy. Now, I don't like the creepy. Um, I think I think I mentioned that when we talked Castle Rock on y'all's podcast. Um, <laughs> we just watched Nightmare on Elm Street and when Freddy Krueger does the bathtub thing, um, I had to get out of the bathtub the other night because I was too freaked out <laughs> thinking about that scene. Yeah. Fair. So, like, like my sensitivity to creep is way high right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, do some extra My Little Pony binge to get rid of it. But, like, <laughs> I'm on high alert for the creep factor. Yeah, I hate anything that could actually happen in real life. And that whole, my back is turned and someone sneaks into my house is definitely one of those. (laughs) Well, that's entirely Scream, so good job there. Yeah. This movie did gangbusters again. Nuh-uh. It had a $24 million budget. It made a hundred... How much budget? $24 million. Okay. It made $101 million. Nicely done. Not bad. It made a third of that its opening weekend. Ha 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 ha. I have no conception of a million dollars anyways, so that is more million dollars <laughs> than they spent million dollars. Yep. It's it's a hundred more million dollars than I would have ever thought. <laughs> Kevin Williamson, actually, a writer, he submitted an outline for this movie when he pitched Scream 1. Oh. So he, 
He had the sequel in the bag ready. He already knew, I want to keep going with the story. So when he did his pitch meeting, he included this with his script. So this got greenlit and started production while Scream was actually still in theaters. Weird. He already had it made. Yeah, he already knew what he was going to do. I've never heard of someone being that prepared for a franchise. Well, Scream was actually his first writing credit ever. Well, then I'm doubly surprised that he did that. (laughs) He was like... Yo, I promise it's going to be great. I already have a sequel. And they were like, yeah, let's do it. It's so good. Hey, hey, he delivered. No, fair. <laughs> it he was absolutely great. delivered. They made a safe bet on him. The writing, it, it's the same with Scream. This is a little more wink, wink, nudge, nudge than the first one. And, and I think that's intentional because they knew, okay, look, we just spent a whole movie messing around with horror stereotypes and then really playing up these characters in the first one we can't get away with just that for this sequel otherwise people are just gonna go oh it's the same thing over again so now we have to go way further meta Mm -hmm. and say not only are they gonna talk and have these character relationships but then we're gonna take it another level further and have them commenting on that as they're doing it yes well especially with the movie stab Yes, the movie within the movie was a wonderful device to help go on top of that. Let's have this meta discussion. A wonderful yet fucked up note. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. Another weird thing with the writing, like that's a wonderful device. But this was one of the very first movies to fall victim to a studio leak. Oh. I remember this happening. An extra leaked the script online. So in the middle of production, Kevin Williamson had to rewrite all the endings. What? Wow. Shit. Wait, endings? Yes. He had to write several to dismiss what got out. Um, This is when the whole lockdown of everything's printed on red paper so you can't photocopy it and only the people in the scenes get a copy. All of that stuff started right around here. This is 97. Jeez. Yeah. Because, yeah, I can understand that. the Half of this movie is building up to a who the fuck is the killer. Right. Do you want to know who the original killers were? Absolutely. I do, yes. Derek, yeah, the boyfriend. Obviously. Of course. Yeah. And Hallie, the roommate. Hmm. And then there was, there was another portion of it where uh, Cotton Weary was going to come back and he was going to kill Gail. Hmm. Fair. Which, yeah, totally fair. <laughs> and then Cotton and Sydney would end up killing each other in the, like, like just in, out of defense. Yeah, they would just, they'd just end up, they'd both end up dead. And Dewey would die because he got stabby stabbed in the booth. Okay, so none of that <laughs> happens now. Yeah, none of that stayed. Yeah, but I, I'm kind of glad Derek wasn't the killer because he delivers so villain the entire movie. Everything is trying to point towards you can't trust him, can't trust boys, can't trust people you're sleeping with. It's bad. It's bad. He proved his love for you by giving him here's your letters and you can't. No, don't do this. I will say I did figure out Killer One right before the end because they do give it away. At some point on the phone or one of the notes, it mentions the documentary thing. Mm-hmm. And that's when it's like, oh, shit, it's, it's, it's Timothy it's Oliphant. I had written down everybody who was acting creepy. And at the point I figured out it was Mickey, I had crossed almost everyone else's name out. <laughs> it would be because they died. So, so you were playing Clue while you were watching this. <laughs> so, yeah, it had to be Mickey. 
the whole slaying thing to the formula, it does help narrow down the options as you go through the movie, you know? <laughs> it helps you out a little, cross off your list. That is one cool thing about this movie. The first movie is much less of a whodunit and much more of a just a creepy slasher movie. Mm-hmm. This is a, just a plain old mystery movie. Like, in a lot of ways, the structure of it. I mean, it's it, got all it sorts of blood of... and guts. But yeah. as a basic plot structure, it is, here are all of these people that could be going after Sydney. Which one is it? Hmm. And it's a whodunit. I definitely yeah. feel like in most of the scenes that weren't, you know, stabby stabby, the whole time I felt like the movie was, like, priming me to be throwing around theories. Yes. Absolutely. Abs- yes. Which is fun. That's that's a fun aspect to these. Like, for a horror film, it's a fun horror film. Which is a weird sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Just is. So our, our director here is Wes Craven. Like, super amazing dude. and Who he, also did Nightmare on Elm Street. He wrote and directed Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, interesting. One of the best horror villains ever. Freddy Krueger. When he has actors who know how to act, and he has a script that's very well written, despite their issues with the leaks, he knows what to do. What we learned from Nightmare on Elm Street was because the effects are fucking insane. Mm -hmm. They are really good. For a 1984 low-budget slasher flick, it's high-level special effects work they did. Which means that this guy knows how to use the camera and Mm -hmm. shoot scenes and make it look good. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you have that, it makes me wonder, should he be writing any of these? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But I I wonder if he maybe needs to just be a director. He can be an idea man, but not the writer dude. Mm. Right. So you want him to to focus on the stuff he's the best at. Story by Wes Craven. (laughs) (laughs) Written by somebody else. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, no disrespect to, to Wes Craven, who he did pass away in 2015, so he's not doing anything new. <laughs> That's one way of putting it, huh? <laughs> I mean, we don't know that. He was a spooky director. Maybe uh, he's directing from the grave. I mean, anytime they do Freddy Krueger stuff, he's credited because he created the characters. Oh, yeah. So Always will be. Random question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's called The Ghost killer it's ghost face the it's ghost, ghost face. face okay yeah. where 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 does that originate from ghost face i believe it's what the name of the mask that they used was interesting i can't like look at it and not just to be like transported back to being like 9 13 or to 13 years old every halloween like Every, like, fifth boy on the block was wearing the ghost uh, face mask. Yeah, it was that. And then the scary movies started not long after this, and we got all those what's up. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was everywhere. Um, When I was a kid, my dad had the Scream costume, and I was terrified of it. (laughs) He would put it on, and I would run away from him. (laughs) What would your dad do? Would he chase you? No, he would just put it on and, like, look at me, and I hated it. I just hated it. He wouldn't do anything, he'd just stand there? Well, he would, like, follow me, and I hated that, and mom would be like, So he Michael Myers'd you and just stalked you. (laughs) Yeah. 
turn that head from side to side. That's just mean yeah, and evil, wrong. and I do love it. <laughs> it is great. Very on brand. You know what is like kind of like different about the Scream franchise? Something mm-hmm. that I see in this that I never see anywhere else. Hmm. Seeing the killer eat shit and fall over stuff. I do yes. like a clumsy killer. <laughs> so there is this moment in the first movie in which Sydney is running away from the killer and she slams a door in his face and he just falls <laughs> flat on his back. And it is so... the funniest fucking thing. Because you don't expect it. You don't expect it. And then what's really cool is you go, oh shit, he's just a dude. He's just a dude in a costume with a knife. It's a little right. scarier that way. Yeah. It, it can it can heighten the terror, but it can also... What's really cool about that, too, is then they play it and it's like, oh, but Sydney's also kind of a badass. <laughs> like, she knows how to get the fuck away from this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie is absolutely chock full of faces that I recognize, but whose roles, aside from Buffy, I can't, they can't don't pop them. off the top of my head. Well, let's well, we get can help into you the cast. Thank you for that segue. Perfect. <laughs> it's so natural. So we're going to start with Jada Pickett-Smith, who plays Maureen. She's one of the people in the theater who gets, you know, gutted. She's so freaking good in that scene. She's, I love how bitchy is. And she's like, give me money. Don't you have money? I have my money. I want your money. She's funny all the way through the scene up until she gets murdered. And then she, she really pulls out the like wrenching performance. Yes. Yes. But it, and and feels very real because up until that point she's been saying how stupid all this is mm-hmm. and how stupid these people are in this movie and has no idea that she's about to be her own victim of one. Mm-hmm. That that was a hundred percent. Sean was like, "I hate horror movies." She was like, "I hate horror movies. I don't want to watch it." And then she gets super into it and telling everyone in the Starts movie how dumb they the are. <laughs> okay, but I still hate it. I do still find it super frustrating. Like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The moment yeah. when, like, Dewey is pounding on the soundproof glass and it's so yeah. stupid and I hate it so much and I just want to punch <laughs> everybody involved in the making of it. It's a little overwrought, but that's kind of what makes it great. Also, that's only Dewey would be that one who got that, right? Uh, like, right. everybody else... Everybody else, it kind of makes sense. Dewey, of course, is the one stupid enough to actually do that. <laughs> At be least like, I will reach you through the soundproof glass eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we've got Omar Epps playing Phil. That is Maureen's date. Uh, you might know him from uh, Major League Two. Don't be a menace to society when you're drinking juice in South like Central LA. Yep. Uh, I think you almost got the whole title. I think I did. I'm proud of me. And then after this, he went on to do the Mod Squad movie and he was on House. Mm -hmm. His death, I think, was, I think, the hardest. It it was weird that his was first because it set a weird tone for me at first because I thought his was the least realistic where the killer somehow knew when he was pressing his ear up against the wall and then aimed perfectly and got him in one. Yeah, it was. It, that was the most improbable. Uh, but every other killing after that was more likely. So that's our problem. We like realistic murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I like it when the killer eats shit, and they're scary <laughs> when they're you know not when they're not trained. When they're a person. I uh, yeah. I, I almost liked it only because it gets campy at this point. And I'm okay with that because it's it's setting a tone right off the bat of this is going to be a whole lot more 
ridiculous than what we did the first time. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a whole lot of groundedness in what we're doing here. So don't expect that because we're mm-hmm. going to try and change it up from what we did from the first movie. And and it also sets that tone of like, because they're trying to take the horror movie tropes and kind of twist them around. And it sets the tone of like, here are the tropes. Like when they're in film class. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. I love film class. Film <laughs> class is great. <laughs> so now we get into the stab movie that is playing on while Maureen and Phil are being murdered. We so have, ridiculous. We have Heather Graham playing Casey in Stab. Originally <laughs> played by Drew, played Barrymore Drew Barrymore in Scream. Uh-huh. All of the Stab scenes were directed by Robert Rodriguez. they were directed by someone else yeah they were directed by robert rodriguez the guy who did spy kids and desperado that it's true i guess if i guess if the movie within the movie was directed by the same person it would look too similar and be weird i think what what makes it good is so knowing Robert Robert Rodriguez, it makes a whole fuck ton of sense mm-hmm. because it's way stupider and gorier yeah. than what we see in the first movie. <laughs> it's like halfway in between Scream and Scary Movie, <laughs> somewhere in that middle. And that's, that's the tone of Stab. And that's perfect for yeah. what it needs to be. Uh, totally. Because if it were just a shot-for-shot remake, it would be really eye-rolly, but instead it plays into the mania of the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, if it were actually a legit scary movie, people wouldn't be throwing popcorn and screaming in the theater and shit like that. I have never been in a theater that bad in my whole life, not even when I worked (laughs) Uh, I would have left. I would have left. The usher we meet at the movie theater, that person, her name is Paulette Patterson, she won that role in an MTV contest. What? Yeah. MTV held a contest she won, so she got the part in the movie. Did she do anything after? No, it only lasts all. <laughs> well, I mean, I wanted to you know. You never if know, man. That's a fair question. I looked. Yeah, <laughs> it was not her big break. Unfortunate. <laughs> Next on our cast list, we've got Roger Jackson doing the voice of Ghostface Killer, who you may recognize also, as we've said before, as Mojo Jojo. <laughs> yep, it, it's yeah. a good voice. It's it's. I think just the right amount of funny that I can believe people would talk to him on the phone. He doesn't get as much play in this one. No, but I think that was smart. Because if you've already seen the first one, you already know the voice. So you just need to hear a couple of seconds of it to be like, oh, shit. Well, how is it back? And then as far as we know, Billy and Stu are dead. They were the killers. I watched y'all die. So who like you're just a crank. Yeah, crank who collar. the fuck is this? So I, I do like that. Again, Wes Craven hid Roger Jackson on set, so nobody he didn't want anybody to have a friendly face with the evil voice. Mm. And, <laughs> and But they were really on the phone. When they were on the phone with him, he is actually the other person on the line. Oh. And Roger said that all the actors would not chit-chat with him in between takes. They, they wanted nothing to do with talking <laughs> to him, except Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> she was totally cool with chatting it up with him. Well, you know, makes... she's fought the demons and yeah. the vampires. Like, she was in the middle of Buffy at this. Well, she was at the it... beginning of Buffy, but this is nothing for her. This is a Tuesday. Yeah. It's so bizarre to see her in the scene be, you know, victim-y. Not badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super weird. I, yeah. It doesn't feel right to me. Like, I can't see her in Nazi Buffy in whatever yeah. role she plays. 
Sarah Michelle Geller took this uh, without reading the script. She had just done I Know What You Did With Summer. I'm doing it. Kevin Williamson scream. Yeah, I'm going. We're going to do this. Cool. She did her stunt of jumping off the building. <laughs> she nice. Did all, she did all her stunts in Buffy, so she did this one. <laughs> I, I enjoyed her. I, I thought she was a nice little pop culture icon in the middle of the movie, so I like that she she is playing a girl... Not really a bimbo, but the sorority girl who gets murdered. Yeah. I like that for her, just as a little different from Buffy. But the twist, she's the sorority girl who stayed home to go pick up any drunk sorority she's girls She's the that sober night. girl. Yep. The sober sister. Yeah, that was sweet. Except that she did It die. didn't work out for her. <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's, that's one thing about this movie that I enjoy, is while the premises can be ridiculous, they do their damnedest to try to make them believe. And this is 97. And of course, Nosferatu's playing in the background. Yes. And and <laughs> hey. when she's on the phone talking about, oh, Sarah dumped Bailey, she's talking about Party of Five. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's what she's talking about, which is hilarious, and I love it, because my mother was obsessed with Party of Five during this time. So we've got Nev Campbell, our Sydney Prescott. Returning. Returning. Again. She's yeah. better in this one. She is better. And I, you know, I mean, I think in the original Scream, she is really good, just green. Yeah. Like, she just feels mm-hmm. very brand new and, and still figuring out certain acting jobs. And in this movie, nah, she's got them down. And she's a lot more subtle with how she's playing that terror than she does in the first one. Mm. She's very intense. Uh, yes. Without coming across as anything but a normal person in most of her scenes. And then when she sort of flips the switch into like, well, I'm, I'm going to kill you. You're not going to kill me. I, 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 there was no disbelief. I completely bought into it the whole time. She was filming Party of Five the exact same time as this. So she was just working constantly. Uh, yeah, she had two days a week on Party of Five, and then the rest of the nights of the week, it was all scream. Damn. They were all night shoots. Wow. Yeah, so that was, that was her life for a little bit. It's a lot of acting. It is a lot of acting. She will be in the upcoming season of House of Cards, and she was recently in, in Skyscraper with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That is true. Mm. Next, we have Elise Neal playing Hallie, the roommate. Mm. I never suspected her, but I was bitter about how she went out. Yeah, that was kind of cheap. Like, I kind of wish she had died in the car, not outside the car. Uh, right. I, I don't I, know. I, uh, of all the deaths, I think that one was definitely the most, like, aw. <laughs> well, no, I could see, I could see Ghostface pretending to be out of it, so Sydney could get out of the car, and then the second Hallie gets there, murdering her to get her out of the way, and then go after Sydney. No, but the tension got ratcheted so much up. That and then was you very get this, tense. And then you get this, uh, breathe the breath of relief, and then turn around and stab. Oh shit! <laughs> no, like I think it's brilliant timing. Because they wanted it to, they they doubled down on the tension of crawling over, passed out Ghostface, and then suddenly to find out, holy shit, he's over there now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. I just got stressed and annoyed. (laughs) It was very stressful. It was very, very stressful. That was the most tense scene in the movie, Mm. by far. Mm. Agreed. Right, then we've got Lev Schreiber as Cotton Weary. He's such a jackass in this movie. I love it! He's such a douche. (laughs) Which is funny, because he's often playing, like, intense brooding guy. And in this movie, he's just goofy, I don't know what the fuck is going on, douchebag. Yeah, I never thought he was the killer, but I I mean, it was just too obvious that it wasn't him. Uh, But it was, honestly, I feel like... He was gonna let her die. 
we did not get like a lot of him in the movie. It felt weird. It felt like, who are you? I didn't like his relationship with Gail. Like, I understand him wanting to be redeemed for having been wrongfully imprisoned and accused. But at the same time, it's like, you're still a dirtbag, dude. <laughs> yeah. Part of the issue is they are relying very heavily on you knowing Cotton Weary from the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like, above any of these other characters who they give you enough of a review of what happened that you can be like, okay, well, this is this person's relationship and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Cotton Weary is the person who has the least amount of screen time in that first movie. And then they don't really explain any more story of what has happened to him in prison. Mm-hmm. They just kind of assume, oh, he's been in prison, so he turned into a dirtbag. Yeah, so so for someone like me, or maybe someone who just hasn't seen Scream 1 for a long time, his parts were a little sparse. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that's just a, a writing fail on, on their part for not giving him a little more backstory. Mm-hmm. Next we get one of my other heartthrobs, Timothy Oliphant as Mickey. Killer number one. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's... His, Mickey I, not in the mask wasn't in this a whole lot. He's he's not in this a lot. Yeah, I felt like neither of the killers were in the movie a lot. No, but that's good. Because I think that's just part of the misdirection. But they do drop so many hints that it's a classmate. Like, left and right. The documentary footage. Well, who's seen with the camera all the time? It's Mickey. Oh, well, that's... You know, it's not just that. But it's it's the comment about the geeks never going to get the girl. So somebody who <laughs> heard Randy say that. Well, and also when they kill Haley, you can see it's Timothy Oliphant in the mask. <laughs> uh, like you can actually see his eyes. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Uh, or or is just you can actually tell. Mm. Yeah. With <laughs> the, with the um uh the the camera thing and the the footage and stuff. Yeah. Actually, I think. My suspects were Derek first, then Dewey, then Joel, <laughs> until it was revealed to be Mickey. Yeah. So I was a little off base. Now, Joel's not a bad guess because the footage. I When I remember when I first watched this, I never thought that it was going to be Debbie Salt. Like, I knew she's a she wasn't on the up and up, but I didn't think she would have been a killer. No, I had no idea that it was going to be Billy's mom. Yeah, I did. And I, as soon as they said it, I, I was like, oh, of course, yeah. of course. It, it wasn't like it was like a, oh my gosh, it was a, oh, oh, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. That makes so much fucking sense. Yeah. <laughs> what Mickey, I didn't get is why she started monologuing after Mickey did his whole long monologue. <laughs> yeah. But Because monologues. And also time for our characters to do that. Uh, this was Timothy Oliphant's first leading role. And this was Laurie Metcalf's first film after finishing Roseanne. The first time. <laughs> I have to say that now. That's a fun departure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one thinks that Roseanne is going to be the killer. I mean, Laurie Metcalf is an American treasure. She is. <laughs> she's gr- And she's really good in this. Despite being balls crazy, she is fun. She she is fun. She plays that earnest reporter real well. Yeah. 
like and also a little bit up Gail's ass, which is also adorable. That's yeah, that's part of the point. But part of why that's great is because Courtney Cox plays that bitch so well. <laughs> like I put this up next to Monica Geller as Courtney Cox's best characters because they're just so different and also totally believable. All right, Jerry O'Connell, the fat kid from Stand By Me. Aww. It's always going to be said about him. He just He's never living that down. He embraces it. Are you uh, kidding does. me? He does. It's fine. I don't love Jerry O'Connell. As an actor? No, I really don't. Oh, As no. a person. <laughs> I, don't, I, have, I have no opinions about him as a person. I don't <laughs> care for his acting. What was he in? Uh, well, his first big credit was Stand By Me. Uh, he was in Can't Hardly Wait. He was on the TV show Sliders, Las Vegas, Crossing Jordan. And he's hosting some Bravo game, uh, show. Uh, probably the only thing of his that I actually saw him in was probably Kangaroo Jack. Oh, yeah. yeah he's in that. <laughs> oh, no. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, man. Oh, okay. no. Okay. That, that, that's just a majestic story of Hollywood failure. But, uh, <laughs> and that's not really his fault. He's made a nice career for himself, I, I might add. Yeah, he's done all right. He's been on a lot of television. And, you know, married to Rebecca Romaine, so that doesn't hurt either. All of the people uh, auditioning for that role had to sing that song. No, <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that and uh, the other song they considered was "I Will Always Love You." <laughs> that who I don't know about that one. Mm-hmm. That would have played creepier, which is what I really liked about him in this movie is how because uh, one of the last things he says to her before he gets tied up is like. Just remember, I'll always be here. No, no, no. No, that's not what he says. He says, I'll still be here when it's over. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. And it's just like, it it works so well with him not being the villain that he just plays the boyfriend so creepy accidentally. <laughs> I'll still yeah. be here after I kill you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's some leftover from the original draft, but it totally works. Yeah. It's great misdirection. That makes a bunch of sense. Ugh. The, his death scene with Mickey, like, messing with Sid's head that Derek yes. was one of the killers. Boyfriend so, like, killer. Boyfriend killer. I immediately love that after the thing with Sid and, and Hallie, mm-hmm. I was like, Sid is getting everyone around her killed. Yep. Oh, she got both of the original <laughs> killers killed. Yep. Weird. I love it. <laughs> That's the moment where Timothy Oliphant gets to shine is when he finally just gets to lose his shit. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> all through the rest... I mean, Oliphant's a really great actor. He really is. And up until then, he's just had to be this weird bug-eyed guy in the background. And then he gets to go crazy, and you're like, oh, okay, this is cool. I like this. Yeah, I thought it was really fun how he was just kind of like laying out his whole plan and... Later when the uh, mom comes in, she's like, obviously that plan wasn't going to work, which is what you're thinking while he's saying it. Yes. Oh, yeah. But you can tell how much he believes, like, everyone's going to think I'm innocent. Next, we got our Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy experiment dude himself. I love his character. I love the rules. Like, they're very simple. Number one is death total is always greater, which that is in this film, 10 people die. The murder scenes are always much more elaborate with more blood and gore. Yep. Especially when he gets murdered in the van. That's oh my gross. god, the blood. And then rule number three, which was cut from the movie but was actually in the trailer. Never under any circumstances assume that the killer is dead. Which I love. That's, yeah, yep. that's a great hint. Uh, if they had kept it in the movie, that would have prepped me for 
the like execution style headshot and stuff at the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just kind of knew that was going to happen. Cause Sid seemed kind of, kind of psycho there without any prep for <laughs> me. Prompting. I, I get that's that a... the killers do tend to spring back up, but it still rubbed me the wrong way. That's a, that's a reference from the first one too. Yeah. So see, now you have to go watch screen. Yeah. Just, I do. Cause it's just <laughs> fun. And I'm going to hate every second of it. Thanks. I know. I don't think so. I think you'll kind of love hate it, which is a great sweet spot to be in. Oh, no. That's one thing I can say for this franchise is unlike some of the other ones where it just gets plain creepy, Mm -hmm. these have enough moments of goof in them for you to be able to be like, okay, I can deal with the creepy. I can deal with the creepy because I know there's going to be a fun joke here in a little bit. Like, (laughs) there's there's enough humor in there that you can be like, I can ride this wave. Mm -hmm. All right, last but certainly not least, we've got David Arquette playing Uh, Deputy Dewey. Deputy Dewey. Just, he's not getting stabbed, he's getting shot. Dude's just a walking pincushion at this point. Oh, God. Yeah. I... I got real annoyed with him the first time I watched how stupid he was. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, I don't know why I didn't recognize. Yeah, that's the point, you idiot. Like, <laughs> he's supposed to be dumb. I do love how randomly he's alive right at the end. Yeah. Just sw- sweeping past on a stretcher. Dewey, I'm okay. Yeah, it's yeah that, like, that came no, out of nowhere. You're definitely not okay, man. <laughs> Like, you got hella stabbed, like, eight hours ago. Yeah. You've been bleeding out, but somehow you're still here, so... I I was surprised that the movie ended that way. I shouldn't be surprised, but it felt like everything, like, kind of, like, wrapped up, like, not quite a happy ending, but, like, Mm -hmm. almost there, which was really weird to me because I always... I don't know. It's just my mental image that horror movies have to end on... But the killer's not really gone. Well, there is a theory about that. Now, we haven't seen three or four, but when the camera zooms out to the clock tower at the end, the theory is that the next killer is watching from that tower. What? Yeah. Because, you know, there's two more movies, so there's more killers. I guess I should just accept it then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Alright, so now we get into a random people of note. Arpons! Arpons! Because there's a lot of them. <laughs> it's not as bad as Can't Hardly Wait, but it is pretty good. We get Joshua Jackson. Yeah. In film class. In film school. Dawson's Creek alumni. We get Louis Arquette as the Chief Hartley, Chief of Police. That is David Arquette's dad. Rebecca Gayhart and Portia de Rossi are some sorority sisters. Yeah, just, you know. yeah that's right. One of the, one of, Lindsay Bluth herself. Oh, yeah. Uh, We got Marisol Nichols, who is on Riverdale right now. That's right. And she she was also in Can't Hardly Wait. Hermione Lodge. Hermione Lodge. Oh, cool. Nancy O'Dell playing herself in some of the TV footage. Uh, Tori Spelling playing Sydney in Stab. Which is... A throwback to the first movie. that That is a throwaway line from the first movie that's so funny. Who do they get to play? I don't know. Probably Tori Spelling or something. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I I appreciate that Tori Spelling was e- was able to make fun of herself in that way. <laughs> Sometimes oh. she's not. No, she's not always. Uh, Luke Wilson <laughs> playing Billy. His hair is the best. Oh yeah. Luke Wilson playing Skeet Ulrich is maybe the stupidest thing ever. Selma Blair is on the phone with Sarah Michelle Geller. Well, she, that's who she's talking to. And Selma Blair is her co-star in Cruel Intentions that they were uh, they were I think about to film or they just filmed I can't remember 
And then weird Easter egg. Matthew Lillard is Where? at the frat party. He's what? In the, he's in the back. <laughs> was that when uh, Derek was tied up? Yeah. No, this is before then. Mm. This is before they yeah, get him. Creepy. Yep. That's a fun, <laughs> creepy Easter egg for Stu to just randomly be at the frat party. Yep. He's <sighs> in the background. You have to really be watching to see him, but he is in My fact mom there. and dad are going to be so, so mad, mad at me. me. <laughs> I love Matthew Lloyd. That's uh, just so great. I love the names that they give some of the, like, bit part characters who are in the background. Mm-hmm. Like a popcorn boy. Oh, yeah. I love I love any time it's just dis- like descriptive. Yeah, you don't get With a real a name. Giant name actor at that time. Yeah, even that. Well, actually, the two officers who are on like Sydney patrol, they are Officer Andrews and Officer Richards, and they are named after Brian Andrews and Kyle Richards from Halloween. Aww, those they're the two little <laughs> kids that Jamie Lee Curtis is watching. So if we haven't had enough trivia. Okay, so this movie was very well received, clearly, because it made a fuck ton of money. But Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert, who notoriously do not like horror films, both gave this a favorable review. It was originally scheduled to be released along Tomorrow Never Dies and Titanic. Both of those films moved their release date because they did not want to be in competition with Scream. Are you for real? (laughs) Oh my god. What? awesome. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> they moved their releases because they did not want to compete with Scream <laughs> they were that, like fuck no that feels so backwards I know I mean, and Tomorrow Never Dies is a shit movie to begin with but Titanic yeah Titanic yeah. so there's some factors playing into that number one the studios knew how successful Scream was mm-hmm. and yeah. number two Titanic at the time was being widely conceptualized as the flop I mean, Cameron had to dig out of his own pocketbook to finish the movie. No, he didn't. He had to forfeit his salary. There was a good chance that that movie was going to tank. They had no idea that it was going to skyrocket the way it did. So I can see why that might have happened business-wise at the time. Yeah. I, I will never understand businessmen. Mm. Businessmen. <laughs> it worked out for everybody, so hey. <laughs> they all made a fuck ton of money, so it worked out. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So no harm, no fouls. No, we're good. So that's all I got on the trivia side. I guess we should get into a rating, but I think we just have to stick with Ghostface Killers. Oh no, we can come up with something. Okay, so different. what sh- what should it be? What should stabs? Our... How many stabs? <laughs> how many stabs we give in this movie? Uh, how many stabs? Wait, it. hold on. How many stab sequels do we want to give this movie? Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't hope this isn't a spoiler, but in, in Scream 3 and 4, there are sequels there are to stab the Stab sequels. movie. So this is actually the Stab original. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, OG. It's the OG Stab. <laughs> so how many Stabs <laughs> How many stabs have we given it? Well, it's your movie, so you oh, have crap, to go I, first. It's my movie, so I start. I'm going to go with three Stabs. Okay. Because I really do like this movie. It surprised me. I find it funny. And I am excited to see the following films even though i know they're stupid i still want to see them (laughs) okay well i upward revised my score we talked about this i gave scream a two at the time recognizing it's well made but i hate it and then i went up to a four because i was like holy shit this is amazing and original (laughs) that's higher than my score i know i'm gonna give this one three and a half okay and the only ding i'm gonna give it is that campy factor okay 
that it, it it can be a little ridiculously unbelievable at times. On the other hand, that's kind of why I love it. Mm. <laughs> and in talking about it, and it's really cool to get the perspective of somebody who saw this before any of the other ones, mm-hmm. that you do have to see that first one to really get a lot of the good meat from this movie. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't quite stand alone by itself. That's fair. Mm. So I think it's fair to, to give it a little bit of a rating back because it relies on the first one so much. All right. Kalena, Sean. Okay, so we're going one through five. Yes, five, five being the highest. This is the best movie ever conceived. And you can do a half stab, which I guess is a glancing blow, or you know, <laughs> it's just a just slice. Kind of, it's a slice. Maybe, maybe a slice. Yeah, you can give it a slice <laughs> instead of a stab. <laughs> three. So I got three, three stabs and a slice. Starting in the middle, I'm gonna go down one stab, just because. Just because of the like stress and annoyance that <laughs> I personally get from horror movies, I, like okay. I if I even if I come out of the even if I come out of the movie thinking it was overall positive, I I still had to endure through my own personal like distaste for the genre. So just gonna put it one stab down. So you're at two then. I'm gonna give it a slice for. <laughs> For the characters, because I don't think there was a single one that I truly disliked. I think I liked all of them, and I enjoyed... Plot-wise, you know, it's novel for me, and it seems like a novel movie in general, so I want to give it another slice. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So you're putting it back up to average. (laughs) So does does that equal (laughs) two stabs total? No, we had... Mm -hmm. we went down a step. We were okay. at two steps. Now we've had two slices, so we're back up to three steps. I, I want to give it another slice. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Okay. For how the conflict between them not knowing who the copycat killer is mm-hmm. versus them all being on their guard is, that's a good conflict. Uh, but I want to give it a negative slice because I don't like the ending. <laughs> it felt really... I don't know. I I got uncomfortable and then I got confused because it was happy and then annoyed. <laughs> it felt too happy and and that okay. K was coming right after the intensity and then how weird I felt about like the executions. So are we settling on 3? No, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go ahead while you're thinking about it. I'm going to go ahead and give it 3. Okay. Yay. <laughs> I was going to I think it was really fun. I'm gonna. I, I'm surprised you're giving it a three because I think actually with with that good mystery structure and how even though it wasn't always perfect, I did still enjoy all of the scenes with dialogue. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna bump it up to I think a four. Wow. Awesome. So maybe it isn't such a detriment not having seen Scream One as we thought it was. Mm. No, I, I don't think so. That's awesome. No. Go with your gut. Love the movie. Now, I'm definitely going to make you watch the first one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, now, now we just have to know what your opinion is. We have to know how you feel after you've got... The, and you're in keeping with the original structure. You watch the TV series out of order. <laughs> so this this is just this is just how you visit this franchise. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I do need to watch all the horror franchises in reverse so that I'm the most prepared and to just go all the way back in time to the original, and then I can then I can rest. <laughs> <laughs> I can rest. I am I am. 
<laughs> I can't finish my joke. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I am the horror movie lich. I am the Benjamin Button of horror. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. So, if people want to find you on the interwebs or in other locations, where would they find you? Okay, well, we've got uh, two Twitters and a Facebook, I think, at this point. Well, so TV Dinner is at TVD Pod on Twitter and TVD Podcast on Facebook, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then we have another podcast that we do with sean dms which is a D podcast Ooh. and that's at d20 downtime on facebook and d20 d pod on twitter i run <laughs> all of those so they're just kind of in my head <laughs> nice i mean we love us some ttrpg so yeah we good do. on you all right well thank y'all so much for for being here and talking scream with us we had a lot of fun mm-hmm. i hope we haven't yeah. traumatized you too much sean no, Sorry for no. I, I'm walking away with this surprisingly zero bad dreams. Yay! Yay! That's good. That's good. Yeah, which is is genuinely <laughs> unusual for me. <laughs> oh, I don't like this genre. But I'm glad we picked this this movie to show you instead of one of the uh, spoopier ones. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.